0: Chapter 24 of Phoebe Daring. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Phoebe Daring by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 24. How the Mystery Cleared. It was only a few minutes walk to the bank, and Mr. Spaythe received them in his private office expressing little surprise at seeing the governor again in Riverdale, but welcoming him with frank cordiality. When they were seated, the banker looked at his visitors with polite inquiry. "'I'm helping Phoebe get the facts in this Toby Clark case,' said the governor, speaking easily and as to an equal, for he knew Mr. Space's record and reputation. In her confidences to me concerning the peculiar circumstances surrounding this affair, which seems to have worn a veil of mystery from the first, she has mentioned the paper you found in the Ritchie box. The banker bowed, but remained silent. There has been raised a great hue and cry for that paper on the part of Mrs. Ritchie and her attorney, continued the speaker. Therefore we may consider the document of prime importance to the old lady. When it fell into your hands, you hypothecated it and carefully locked it in your safe, further evidence of its importance. Phoebe has concluded from your unconditional defense of the accused boy. THAT YOU BELIEVE HIM INNOCENT IN THE FIRST PLACE, AND ALSO THAT THE DOCUMENT REFERRED TO IS IN SOME WAY CONNECTED WITH TOBY CLARK. MR. SPAITH SMILED. IT'S DIFFICULT TO KEEP A SECRET FROM Phoebe, HE REPLIED. FOR MY OWN PART, THE GOVERNOR RESUMED, I HAVE FIGURED FROM YOUR LONG SILENCE REGARDING THE PAPER THAT YOU HAVE BEEN INVESTIGATING ITS VALIDITY, OR FOR SOME REASON HAVE BEEN SEEKING OUTSIDE INFORMATION CONCERNING IT. I hope I am not in any way forcing your hand by asking if my surmise is correct, and if you have yet received the information you desire. Allow me to add that it is difficult to keep a secret from the Governor," laughed Mr. Spaythe. Really, sir, you and Phoebe have guessed so much that you are entitled to know more, and fortunately my first information of value concerning this paper reached me but a few hours ago in the morning's mail. Through my interest in my cousin Judith I became acquainted with Phoebe Daring, said cousin John. Through my interest in Phoebe I became acquainted with the sad plight of Toby Clark, and my interest in humanity at large induced me to play hooky from the business of governing this exacting state, long enough to run down here and help things to a climax. So, sir, as my time is limited, I, it will afford me pleasure to confide in you with the utmost frankness, said the banker. I would like you to know all that I know. Thank you. I may say that we have finally run down the guilty party and are now certain that Toby Clark's case will never come to trial." "'Indeed!' exclaimed Mr. Spaythe. Then you have solved a very perplexing mystery. "'Have you had no hint of the truth?' inquired the Governor. Not the slightest, although I have several times suspected my lawyer, a man named Holbrook and a very well-meaning young fellow, added the Governor. I think from the information I have received that Holbrook has conducted himself in a manly way that is distinctly creditable. But may I ask how you expected to save Toby Clark from prison without knowing who committed the fault of which he stands accused, and in the face of a mass of incriminating evidence against him? Yes, I expected to save him through Mrs. Ritchie. You can compel her to withdraw the charge? mrs ritchie is completely in my power would you mind telling me who first took the box from the judge's cupboard a weak and thoughtless girl Hazel Chandler who was tempted to steal the money that she might sooner wed the young man to whom she was engaged dear me Hazel Chandler how unfortunate there is a general disposition among those who know the facts to shield her suggested the governor the girl has already been punished through fear personal remorse and the reproaches of her fiancée. I can see no benefits to the public at large, nor to the interest of justice to be gained by casting this foolish girl into prison. Her redemption, if redemption is still needed, may be better accomplished in other ways. I quite agree with you, sir, and I think that between us we may find a way to restore Toby Clark's reputation to its former purity without drawing Hazel Chandler into the mire when mrs ritchie knows that her treachery and embezzlements have been discovered i think she can be induced to sign a statement that her box was not stolen at all i see your point mr spaythe and now please tell us about that paper the banker excused himself a moment and went into the counting-room in the rear of which stood a large safe from a drawer which he unlocked he took a paper and with it returned to his private office Although this document has been for years in Judge Ferguson's keeping, began Mr. Spaythe, its character and contents were unknown to him, for before she placed it in her box Mrs. Ritchie enclosed it in a heavy yellow envelope, which she sealed and marked private. The girl who took the box tore open the envelope, perhaps thinking it contained money, and so enabled me to make a discovery that otherwise might never have come to light. The moment I saw this paper I became interested, for it is a will properly probated and attested, and on the outside it is docketed, last will and testament of Alonzo Clark. Alonzo Clark? echoed Phoebe. Why, who was he, sir? The father of Toby Clark. I knew him very slightly during the years preceding his death when he lived at Riverdale. He once attempted to borrow some money from the bank on some mining stock which I considered worthless, so I refused him. He was a relative of Mrs. Ritchie i never knew that cried phoebe surprised nor i until recently replied the banker this document which i now hold bequeaths to alonzo clark's only child toby clark all of his interest in that mining stock making mrs ritchie the executor and providing that in case the stock becomes valuable and pays the dividends it must not be sold or otherwise disposed of but the proceeds shall be devoted to the education of toby and the balance reserved until he is of age when it is all to be turned over to him during the minority of toby mrs ritchie is to properly educate and clothe him and she is authorized to retain ten per cent of the income in payment for her services as trustee you say the stock is worthless asked the governor i thought it was at the time alonzo clark brought it to me but when i first saw this paper i found that the will had been probated and mrs ritchie duly appointed executor and trustee under its terms that fact and the woman's eagerness to recover the paper led me to suspect that the stock had become valuable. So I retained the will and began to investigate both the mine and the history of Alonzo Clark. As I told you, the first important report of these investigations reached me to-day. I will briefly relate to you their purport, rather than ask you to wade through the verbose mass of evidence submitted. That will be best, I think, agreed the Governor. Alonzo Clark was a mining engineer of education and ability who was employed by large corporations as an expert to examine mines and report upon their value. He successfully pursued this vocation for several years and came to be regarded as a reliable judge of both copper and gold mines. Then he met with a misfortune. While in a rough mining camp in Arizona, he fell in love with a plump, pretty girl, the daughter of one of the superintendents, and married her. She became Toby's mother and proved far beneath her husband in both refinement and intellect. At about the same time that he married, Clark conceived what he thought a clever idea to make his fortune. Being sent to examine an outlying mine that had never been developed, he found it to contain the richest deposit of copper he had ever known of, so rich, in fact, that it was destined to become one of the greatest copper mines in America. A company of capitalists would purchase and develop this mine if Clark reported on it favorably. He forwarded them some very ordinary specimens of ore and said he believed the mine would pay a fair profit if worked economically, but he predicted no big things of it. Then he set to work to invest every dollar he had in the world in stock of this very mine, and he was able to secure a large quantity because his discouraging report had failed to inspire the promoters with any degree of enthusiasm. Then the schemer became properly punished, for the men who had formed the company got possession of another mine that promised better, but in which Clark had no interest, and devoted their exclusive attention to working that. Clark dared not argue the matter with them, for he had declared the rich mine to be unimportant. So he was obliged to wait until the company was ready to develop it, when he knew it would speedily make him rich. This affair ruined the engineer's life. That, and his wife's dissolute habits for she became addicted to drink and her companionship was not pleasant clark had beggared himself by his large purchase of stock and his vain dreams of wealth speedily destroyed his usefulness in his profession in a few years he lost all ambition became discredited in mining circles and finally drifted here perhaps being attracted to riverdale by the fact that a distant cousin the only relative i have been able to trace lived near here in the person of mrs ritchie a widow with a large and prosperous farm. It seems that Mrs. Ritchie, however, would do nothing to assist the impoverished Clarks, who had brought their little son Toby with them. She even doubted the man's story about his rich mine which he declared would some day bring him a fortune. She is very shrewd in business matters and knew that mining stock is dangerous to gamble on. Clark did a little work in the village, but not much, for he was incapable of steady manual labor. He fished a good deal in the river, and won the name of being lazy, surly, and unsocial. As a matter of fact, he was a disappointed man, and had fallen rapidly in the social scale. His wife soon drank herself to death, and a year or so afterwards Clark contracted pneumonia on the river, and soon passed away, having previously made his will and given it to Mrs. Ritchie for safekeeping. Toby was a much neglected boy, as you may imagine, continued Mr. Spaythe, after a brief pause. Mrs. Ritchie ignored his very existence, and after his father's death the little fellow continued to reside in the shanty by the river, a ragged barefooted urchin whom every one liked because he was so sunny-natured and agreeable. He inherited his father's intellect, but not his mythanthropic ideas. Toby was not only willing but glad to work and earned a modest living by doing odd jobs, until finally Judge Ferguson noticed him and took charge of the boy i think governor i have now given you the entire clark history but the mine said the governor greatly interested in the story by a queer whim of fate the mine was developed soon after alonzo clark's death and its enormous wealth became a seven days wonder i believe it is today reputed one of the best-paying mines on this continent which proves that the engineer knew what he was doing when he invested his all in its stock Mrs. Ritchie evidently heard of the great mine, for she had Clark's will probated and applied for letters of administration which were granted her. For several years she has been receiving dividends on the stock, which is worth a fortune to Toby, by the way, and yet the woman has kept her secret, and the money to herself. Never a penny has been applied to Toby's needs or to his education. Oh, how dreadful! exclaimed Phoebe, who was really shocked at this recital of Mrs. Ritchie's perfidy her intention i suppose said the banker was to continue to retain these receipts for herself toby had no other relatives to interfere in his behalf he was too young at the time of his father's death to know anything about the mine and i doubt if he knew or yet knows that he is in any way related to mrs ritchie the deception might have continued indefinitely had not the box been stolen and so by a chain of curious accidents the will of alonzo clark discovered by those interested in toby after the banker had concluded his relation all three were silent for a time pondering on the remarkable discovery then phoebe said i cannot understand in view of the fact that mrs ritchie was deliberately robbing toby why she was so bitter against him or why she had him arrested and is even now trying to send him to prison that is a natural sequence my dear replied the governor the woman has been greatly worried over the loss of this document which falling into certain hands such as those of mr spaythe would perhaps lead to the discovery of her perversion of trust funds which is a very serious crime perhaps she thinks that in some way toby clark has himself gained possession of the will but believes that if he is discredited and put in prison he cannot appear against her Without Mr. Spaythe's exhaustive researches, no one in Riverdale would be likely to know that the mind described in the elder Clark's will had become valuable. The will itself would mean little or nothing to Toby unless he had opportunity to investigate his father's bequest. There was a fair chance of Mrs. Ritchie's evading detection, even with the will missing. But Toby in prison would be more safe to her interests than Toby at liberty. Toby mustn't go to prison declared Phoebe with energy. "'Certainly not,' replied Mr. Spaythe. "'The boy must regain the position in society to which he is fully entitled. "'Can't we do anything to Mrs. Ritchie?' she asked. "'We'll try,' said the Governor, looking at his watch. "'Just now dinner is waiting at the Daring Mansion, and I promised Judith I'd not forget it. But this afternoon I'd like to drive over with you, Mr. Spaythe, to see the woman.' "'I will be glad to accompany you,' replied the banker. We close at one o'clock on Saturday, you know, so at two, if you will be ready, I will call for you with my motor-car. That will be quite satisfactory, said the Governor, rising. Then he hesitated a moment. May we take Phoebe with us, he asked. She has been so interested in this affair, and has already accomplished so much in Toby's behalf, that I think she is entitled to be present at the climax. I think so, too, answered Mr. Spaythe readily. Do you care to go, Phoebe? yes if you please then she and cousin john went home to dinner and the youngsters who suspected something important was under way were able to drag no information from their big sister beyond mysterious looks and sundry shakes of the head which of course aroused their curiosity to the highest pitch i think you might tell us phoebe pouted sue disconsolately i always tell you my secrets cousin john laughed listen then said he We've discovered that Toby Clark is innocent and that we can prove it. So he is no longer in danger of prison. That's more than Toby Clark knows yet. Furthermore we have discovered that Toby is not a mere nobody as everyone has considered him, but the owner of considerable valuable property. I say, we have discovered this, but really it was Phoebe who solved the whole mystery. Now if you can keep this secret for a few days until the newspaper prints the complete story. I'll take you into my confidence the next time I know a secret. Don cheered and Becky clapped her hands in delight while Sue cried ecstatically, Bully for Toby, and was promptly repressed by Phoebe, who was annoyed by such a wild demonstration in the presence of the great man. But Cousin John seemed to enjoy the outburst. Judith has listened gravely and seemed surprised. Is this indeed the truth, she asked? Part of it, replied the Governor. When Phoebe and I return from a little trip this afternoon, you shall have the entire story, with all the details. You see, we're rehearsing a little show of our own. The play isn't entirely finished yet, for the last act is on and we must corner the villain before the final curtain falls. This contented them for the time, for they really believed they had been taken into the great man's confidence. But when Mr. Space Automobile drew up at the door and Phoebe and the Governor entered it, they were followed by envious looks and much speculation among the darings as to their errand. I hope, said Sue anxiously, the villain won't hurt Phoebe. Pshaw! returned Don with scorn. Villains never amount to anything. They're only put in a play to be knocked out in the last round. End of chapter 24 Recording by Philip Gould